This is My Attorney Didn't Tell Me Shit Podcast. I'm your host, Alfonso. Uh, Last week was just me ranting and raving about how shit's supposed to work and how it doesn't work and how people are just tired of it. But this week we're going to talk about some things that might work, might not work, you might be on board with, you might not be on board with. But as always, everything we talk about is case by case. We can't help you if we don't know what's going on. So this is not legal advice. Reach out to us at centraltexasjustice.com and then maybe we can answer some of your questions. Uh, Last week I was in here by myself just griping, but here Christian's back in the studio. What's going on, man? What's going on? Uh, Glad to be back. Glad that it's the weekend. Uh, Glad I get to watch some football, hang out this weekend. But with that territory comes the... uh, the dangers of what we're talking about today, which is having a few too many drinks, getting behind the wheel. Yeah, man. I'm exhausted from the week. Been busy. I don't even want to do any of that. I just want to sit on my couch and watch football. But I know the phone's going to ring because, like you were saying, they go to a bar, grab a bunch of drinks, watch seven hours of uninterrupted football, and then try to go home. And it never works well for anybody. Just to really specify, we're talking Texas here. Uh, You hear people throw around DUI, because in some states it is DUI. Uh, But in Texas, DUI means you're under the age of 21 and have consumed alcohol. Doesn't even matter the quantity. Driving under the influence, DUI. What we're talking about, DWI, for your grown-ass adults that are driving while intoxicated, right? Right, and yeah, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter what you call it. Everyone's talking about the same thing. In Texas, the law is written as driving while intoxicated. DWI. Um, One thing I like to make sure and clarify because I've had people ask me before is just because it's driving while intoxicated, that doesn't mean the law is only relating to alcohol. It also relates to drugs and other intoxicating substances. You can be intoxicated by alcohol. You can be intoxicated by drugs. You can be intoxicated by prescription medications. I mean, you could be intoxicated. The way the law is written, you could really be intoxicated by any number of things. Okay? Yeah, that's why. Don't the, just think it's alcohol. Why the little bottles always say may cause drowsiness, don't operate heavy machinery. Right. I've also had, and I'm sure you've had some jerk prosecutors say, well, I could charge a DWI for coffee. I could charge a DWI for anything that I think some sort of alternate. <clears throat> alt, uh, altered state substance right 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 cigarettes coffee if they really wanted to and with a specific set of facts they could try to make that happen good luck though yeah seriously but they'll waste your time and your money and stress you out so let's lay some like ground facts and ground rules or ground work for where we're gonna get right so we're talking dwi i'll throw out Regular DWI, Christian. What is it? What just pops into your head when somebody's like, yo, I just got charged with a regular DWI? Right. So we always ask to clarify, you know, give us some extra facts. You know, tell me what happened so I can figure this out. Because there's a lot of different things people can mean when they say DWI. But base level DWI, class B misdemeanor. All right. There's a range with any kind of crime that you can be sentenced to jail. The possible threat that they can hang over you with any kind of charge. We call that the range of punishment. And the range of punishment for a Class B vanilla DWI is a minimum of three days in jail up to 180. Meaning, they can't, if you're found guilty and they sentence you to jail time, you can't be sentenced to one day, you can't be sentenced to 200 days. It's going to be in between three days and 180. And so that our listeners can put together a mental picture when we're saying regular DWI and Christian's talking class B range of punishment, three to 180. It's I left the bar. I'm driving down the road. And for any reason, the cop pulls me over, right? Blinkers out, brake lights out. I'm speeding. Uh, They can make excuses for you didn't stay in your lane. He's just trying to pull you over. Whatever it is, not important. They pull you over and then he suspects you've been drinking. I smell booze. You smell like alcohol. You have fat tongue. You're slurring. Stuff like that. Click, clack. Handcuffs go on. I end up in the jail charged regular DWI. Right? Right, right. And we've talked before and we'll talk again about different ways 
that you know the cops can prove DWI, different things they might be looking for, uh, different things you can be pulled over for. But today, we're just talking about in the event that a person is arrested, this is what you're looking at once that happens. Yeah, and I think we talked off air that what we want to do today is teach you all about how you can get punished if you get hemmed up for DWI. And then I think next week or one of the close podcasts coming, we're going to tell you how you got into that situation. So we, co- we covered run-of-the-mill regular-ass DWI. Now I'm cruising from my left that bar. They pull me over from some reason. When the cop suspects me of DWI, he glances in the center console and there's an open 40 of Smith's malt liquor or something. Maybe some MD 2020, some going back in the day. You have terrible taste in alcohol. <laughs> uh, this is a hypothetical, all right? I'm drinking $200 Japanese whiskey on Sunday football day. Either way, it's open. What are we looking at, Christian? So you're pulled over and you have your open bottle of sake in the center console. That is still a Class B misdemeanor. <clears throat> there is just a little addition that gets added onto the charge. And all that does is it's going to increase the minimum range of punishment from three days to six days. Just meaning, again, that if you were sentenced to jail time, you cannot be sentenced now to less than six days. Okay. So, now, I got my regular, no sake this time, just cruising down the road, left the bar, cop pulls me over. He's like, I think you're drunk. I tell him, I think you're drunk, dude. Leave me the fuck alone. He's like, all right, you're going to jail. And because I kind of edged him on, he does the rest of his job, goes get a warrant, either makes me blow into this machine and I say, cool, or he draws my blood. The test comes back and it shows my blood alcohol content is above 0.15. What are we talking about now? So in the event that they have evidence to show that your blood is above 0.15, they can, again, add on a little addition to your charge. It does, however, in this circumstance, increase the charge to a Class A misdemeanor as opposed to a Class B, which increases the maximum range of punishment from 180 days to 365 days. <clears throat> now, practically speaking, I hear people all the time in court, prosecutors and judges, still talk about it as if the minimum range of punishment is still three days, However, the way the statute's written, when you are now charged with DWI with a higher blood alcohol above 0.15, for some reason, the hole in the statute, just something that got overlooked, the range of punishment actually drops back down as a a minimum of one day. So technically speaking, with a class B misdemeanor, the minimum you can get is three days with blood alcohol of a higher level above 0.15 the minimum is actually one day okay now that's technically speaking in practice will that happen maybe not yeah and i think you and i differ a little bit you seem to think it's a hole in the law i think the legislator was like nah let's lift that ceiling knowing full well that a prosecutor is going to come for you a little more because just in practice right DWI, I'm acting weird. I've lost the normal use of my mental and physical faculties. And so maybe I can't really operate this vehicle. But the prosecutor gets this blood number. They always feel like they got a little safety net underneath them. Like, I'm going to show these people that you are drunk, right? I got this number. I'm going to show these people. And so I think that they're assuming, legislators, they're assuming you're going to get a little more of a slap on the wrist in the three days when you get the 0.15. But we do know that they patchwork our laws together. Sometimes they change this portion of a law. Sometimes they take that portion of a law. So it could just be a giant hole that they overmissed. Right. I mean, it definitely happens. A lot of people making the laws in the state of Texas are not attorneys. They're not even people who are, let's say, overly intelligent. (laughs) And so they overlook things all the time. Regardless... The minimum a lot of times doesn't really matter. Prosecutors in the state of Texas are not going after people for jail time for the minimums. If they're coming after you for jail time, they're going for something more than a day. Because they want to watch football on Saturday and Sunday too. And if they've got to prep the case instead of watch the game, you're doing more than the minimum. Right. And something we'll definitely talk about in the future. Um, But for today's purposes, 
If your blood alcohol is above 0.15, it changes the charge to a class A misdemeanor and the range of punishment, the maximum, is increased to 365 days. All right, cool. Let's do some rewinding, right? Rewinding all the way back to the original. Run of the mill, DWI. They just pull me over. He thinks I'm drunk. I get to the jail, but I don't want to either plead a jail time or I don't lose my trial for jail time. Instead, I'm given probation. Can you explain to everybody what that is? Right. So there's, there's really two types of probation, but at its core level, what probation is, is a judge is saying, rather than sending you to jail or doing other things, I'm going to put you on probation. I'm going to give you the opportunity to stay out in the community with some conditions attached, reporting to a probation officer, other things. And if you successfully do this, if you successfully abide by your conditions, you're not rearrested, you complete whatever classes or community service I ask, and you complete the term of probation, that's it. You never have to go to jail. So you never have to go to jail. Does that mean that if I do probation, the range of punishment is a little different because I don't have to do those three days? So, probation is in lieu of jail time, in lieu of a sentence. However, what, what I mean when I say that is when you are put on probation, what is actually happening is a judge is saying, I'm sentencing you to some amount of jail time. I'm going to sentence you to 90 days in jail. However, I'm not going to make you go to jail right now. I'm going to probate that sentence. And instead of sending you to jail right now, I'm going to let you do probation. Cool. So in English, if I do probation, I never have to do the three days. <clears throat> but if I fuck up probation and all those conditions you were talking about, that range starts at three days still. Right? That's correct. Cool. Now I'm cruising down the highway doing sake bombs with my open container. Again, are those six days paused as well? Assuming so, yes, you're you're found with an open container. You go to court. You're sentenced to some amount of time, and instead of being sent to jail, you're given probation. That's correct. So the judge says, "Okay, finding you guilty of this, I'm sentencing you to 90 days in jail and putting you on probation instead." So I don't have to see another jail cell after I was detained. I just get to do this probation. Yes, those six plus days are hanging over my head somewhere else, but I don't have to do them unless I mess something up. That's correct. All right. So now we're on to the cop that I told off and he thinks I'm really drunk, pulls my blood. The one day to 365 days is probated. So same thing. I don't actually have to go back to jail. That whole range of punishment is just waiting for me in case I fail. That's right. All right. So. That's all first-time offenders. Now, let's say I have been found guilty or I have pled guilty to any of these previous three we just talked about. Now, I'm cruising down the road next Sunday, get pulled over again, and catch any one of these three charges that we talked about. What am I looking at now? So, as with a lot of criminal offenses, DWI is an offense, is a crime where if you get multiple of them, it gets worse every time. And in, in the circumstance of DWIs, your first offense is going to be a Class B misdemeanor, or if your blood alcohol was high, it'll be that Class A. However, once you have a first conviction, you get arrested a second time, they can now charge you with DWI second. That's the way it's written in the statute. And with that comes some additional alterations to the range of punishment and additional consequences if you're put on probation. So I say, I want to get this over with, I want to go to jail, or I go to trial and I lose, and they're like, send this guy to jail. What's the range of punishment on a second? So on a range of punishment, the range of punishment for a DWI second, similar to above a .15, it is a Class A misdemeanor. The maximum range of punishment is still 365 days. That's the maximum for any misdemeanor. However, um, that is the maximum that any misdemeanor can have. However, with a DWI second, the minimum is increased to 30 days. And 
before, when we were talking about the other types of DWI, I said, look, the minimum, man, it doesn't really matter. They're not actually going to go after you for one day if we get to that point. But in this circumstance, the minimum being increased to 30 days is actually pretty significant because that really increases the, the floor of what you can be sentenced to if we end up in the situation where you are sentenced to jail time. 30 days is a pretty significant number. Yeah, so with the other ones, it's like, eh, I miss a day, I miss three days. Yeah, I do that over the weekend, so I miss one weekend of football, no big deal. A month's a pretty long time to be sitting in a Texas correctional facility of some sort. Right, and the way I think of it is, if you were to end up in a situation where a judge or a jury is sentencing you to jail time, you're, the minimum they can give you is 30. That's where you're starting. Usually, people want to find some kind of middle ground. They want to, they don't want to give you the minimum because they feel like, well, you know, that's the absolute minimum. Surely we got to go higher than that. When it's one day, they want to go slightly higher. You're still talking about a small number. When it's 30 days and they want to go slightly higher, I mean, you're only getting to more and more significant numbers. So I'm on my second DWI and my lawyer explains that to me. He's like, look, if we roll the dice on this, you're looking at a minimum of 30. Nobody likes minimum sentencing. They're going to boost it up a little bit. Or the prosecutor's going to ask you for more time if you want to do jail. And I'm like, yo, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to jail for a whole month or more. I want probation like these other ones. Last time I got probation. What am I looking at as far as jail time if I get on probation? So... With probation on a DWI second, we are no longer talking about a circumstance where you do not have to go to jail. Uh, it is not 30 days, but if you are placed on probation, what's important to understand is there's still that underlying sentence. So if you mess up on probation, they can still bring you back to court, throw you in jail for up to 365 days. However, just by going on probation, there is still a jail time requirement with a DWI second. And that requirement is three days if you have a prior conviction that is more than five years old. If you have a conviction that is less than five years old, so you were convicted two years ago, and now you're getting your second, that jail time requirement is five days. Yeah, and the way that I look at it with all the statutes and the way that I kind of explain it to my clients is like, look, man. Or, look, girl, the first one, you used a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? You jumped on probation, and they were like, fine, you don't got to do the three days. Or you don't got to do the six days. Flip on to the second one, and they're like, oh, hell no, dude. This is number two. You're doing the three days minimum. And then if you have some other problems where they're within five years or some other issues come up, like, you want probation, you're going to do 10 days, 12 days, 30 days. Right, because they have that window in order to slap you on the wrist. Because you already got your get out of jail free card, probably more than one. If we're, what we're going to talk about here later on, um, and I think we did gloss over a couple of things, right? So, just I know we've covered this, and I know we will cover this. DWI is written in a couple of different ways. One of them is that you've just lost the normal use of your mental and physical faculties. The other is most states have a number. If we do that blood draw that the cop made me do or I agreed to, or I breathe into the machine, if it is at a point zero eight, you're per se guilty of an original, normal, basic DWI. And that's why we said if you hit that second number of point one five, now you're in the A territory. Just to right. clarify that we glossed over that. And the majority of the states do start at point zero eight. Look at your state law to find out. I know I think Utah has point zero five. And then with the DUI, quote unquote, the babies that are drinking and driving, um, they have a lower one. Some of them are any alcohol. Some of them are 0 0.02. So if you're a kid, don't do it because the net is just humongous. Right. They're just going to come grab you. Um, and we covered what it means for a jail sentence. We covered what it means uh, for probation. All right. So I keep messing around. For some reason, I've got a problem or I didn't learn my lesson. And now I'm not on second. I'm on third. What are we talking about here? So, right. Once you get to your third, we're talking, we're in felon, uh, felony territory. And look, it, punishments are severe for misdemeanors, right? I mean, we're talking up to a year in jail. 
you're talking a couple of years probation. That is significant, but really, misdemeanors are kind of kid territory. That is... There's a fucking jump there from a year to a third-degree felony. Just give them the basic third-degree felony punishment range. The basic third-degree felony punishment range, two to ten years. And again, minimums two. So like we were talking about, people don't like just slapping you with the bottom of it. So yes, it's possible, but that is a jump. You're almost doubling up just to get to the minimum. Right, and really, even more so than the the 10 years, the maximum of the range, we're talking about now prison time as opposed to county jail. And look, locked up is locked up. It sucks either way. But, you know, ask any of our clients who have been to prison and been to county, ask them which one's worse. Yeah, you get clients all the time like, hey, can I just do my time in county? And there is a way to do that. And we'll cover that, I'm sure, in the future. And they're always asking, let me just stay in county because... Fuck prison. Prison is a whole different ballgame. Also, you're a felon. You come in with all the collateral consequences of being a felon. Something we'll also cover in the future. But just know that there's rights that are going into play here because you're now a felon because you've got a third DWI. Right. I mean, you're convicted of a felony. You no longer have the you know privilege of voting for either Biden or Trump in the upcoming election. And so- Apparently, you can be a felon and be the candidate. Right. But you can't. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't vote for one of our two great candidates. All right. So let's take a pause right there and talk about some just day to day shit we see all the time when it comes to DWIs. And then we'll get into like some more enhancements that we really want to talk about based on this article we saw. Right. And I'll start us off because I'm just throwing a wrench in our planned out game because it just popped into my head. Mm hmm. I said, if you hop on probation, you know, a lot of people look at it like you look got your get out of jail free card because you didn't have to do those three days. But in reality, in practice, what I've seen is unless you do something crazy, crash into somebody, run from the cops, um, cause an accident, just are just all out shit faced. Right. A first DWI sometimes comes with some leniency. In my practice, I've been able to change a DWI charge to something else because the way that you described it, right, is that they stack or they're enhanceable. I always tell my clients they're like Legos, right? Have you ever stepped on a Lego? Fucking hurts. But then you put a second one on there and a third one on there. They're just going to get taller and taller and taller and it's going to hurt even more. I want to avoid that first Lego like the plague, right? There's nothing worse than getting up in the middle of the night and you got kids. I don't got kids, but I got nieces and nephews. Stepping on a Lego in the dark, like, I don't want that. So I'm going to remove that whole Lego. I want to try to change the charge to anything else, right? And I've been successful in reckless drivings, in obstructions of a highway, something that nobody knows what that means. Yeah, I don't think it's an actual real thing. <laughs> I'd ask my clients all the time, all right, if you saw two criminal records right next to each other and the only charge on there was one, DWI, and two, obstruction of a highway, explain those to me. And like, well, this guy's drunk. I don't actually know what that one is. Yeah, this <laughs> other guy blocked the highway for some reason. Yeah, and that's why I was like, exactly. Let's go with that. And so there's some leniency there for your first one. Also, I think prosecutors come for you, like you were talking about, for those minimums, right? If they look at your criminal history and they see an obstruction of a highway, and now you're on your run-of-the-mill regular-ass DWI, they really know this is your DWI second. Right. But for the purposes of enhancing you and eventually getting to that third Lego, making you now charged with a felony, if we get one of these other outcomes, it puts that on pause a little bit. Yeah. And the only reason I wanted to bring it up, I know we hadn't discussed it off air, but I think we will get into it when we start talking about the article, right? Right. So... We ran through all the DWIs. We're open containered, regular mill, 0.15, second, third. Now, once I start hitting second, third, fourth, and fifth, maybe, there's some enhancements outside of DWI that you wanted to talk about, right? Right. So these these enhancements that we have mentioned thus far are all within kind of the DWI statute. They're specific to DWI. 
Uh, and what they say is if you're arrested for a second with a previous conviction, that is now a Class A misdemeanor. If you're arrested for a third with two prior convictions, that becomes a third-degree felony. That's where the DWI enhancements stop. With nothing else happening, if you're arrested for your fourth, your fifth, your sixth, with the DWI statute, that is still a third-degree felony. And, however, you can see why a legislature, why a community may think that doesn't necessarily seem effective enough. That doesn't seem right. If they, if somebody keeps doing this, keeps putting lives in danger, maybe we need some ability to enhance the punishment. And the legislature has crafted a way for that to happen, but they didn't tailor it specific to DWI. They made it applicable to all types of felonies. Yeah, so with DWI specifically, they're like, you got a regular one, stop it. You got a .15, stop it. You got a second, stop it. You got a third one, you're a fucking felon, stop it. But not all of the laws are written that way, right? I go and I do some, name it, right? Because there's a couple that are written that way, but not a lot. Right. But I do something... And they're just like, that's the same punishment. That's the same punishment. That's the same punishment. <clears throat> but at a certain point, they wanted to tie all these other specific laws that don't have these enhancements to enhanceable behavior. I guess what I'm talking about is there are some misdemeanors that do have these stackable effects. And then there's just a bunch that don't. Do you have any examples of other stackable misdemeanors? Right. So we've talked about DWI. But... There are also other misdemeanors like assault, like theft, that if you continue to commit them, if you get arrested multiple times after a conviction, they will turn into a felony. Uh, and there's, there's others aside from those two. Those are two of the most common. But there's quite a few. Really, it seems like the way the legislature treats it is, look, these are misdemeanors. They're relatively minor. They're still crimes. We're going to punish you for them but we're gonna give you chances. However, if you continue to do it, eventually they will turn into felonies. And then that's kind of the same thought process in the felony world is like, look, this is a felony, it's a bigger deal, and we have that punishment packaged into this bigger deal. And you do it again, and it's the same punishment, and you do it again, it's the same punishment. And so now the legislator has changed their mind and said, yeah, while the thing you're doing might be the same punishment, eventually we have this outside category that's gonna start affecting you, right? Right. It's, it's almost like the legislature just said, with misdemeanors, they're minor. We're going to treat them on a case-by-case basis. We're going to specifically craft the laws to each individual misdemeanor. <clears throat> now we've got to felonies. We're tired of dealing with you people. We're just going to have one, one law that covers all felonies in terms of if you continue to commit multiple of them as to how they're going to be handled. And... We can get into, it's a relatively complex statute, um, but. I think a, simpli- a simplistic view of it is, hey, you're still being charged with crime, whatever it is. And that crime is this type of felony, whatever it is. However, if you continue doing that, all we're going to change is your punishment range. If, it, if it's a state jail, we're going to make it a third punishment. If it's a third we're going to make it a second punishment, right? Well, <clears throat> I do want to make sure just for to make sure we're being clear and to make sure we're we're saying the right things. There are two different statutes that address there's one that addresses state jail felonies and another that addresses third degree, second degree, first degrees. <clears throat> um, with state jail felonies, What that statute says is that if you continue to commit state jail felonies, once you have two prior convictions, the third conviction turns into a third degree felony. All right, but that statute is separate then from the more general statute that says if you get multiple felony convictions, we're going to use those prior convictions to enhance any future one that you get. Yeah, so... This podcast, we're talking about, quote unquote, you know, punishments, the back end, what happens to you. 
that first law seems to say that we're going to change the type of charge. Here we're talking about, hey, it might still be written as a third degree felony, but we're going to punish you second, first, life, that stuff, right? So we're focused on the punishment side of things. Exactly. So the way that the statute is written in terms of punishment for third degree and higher felonies is that if you are arrested, charged, and convicted with a felony offense, what then happens when punishment comes around and either a judge or jury is deciding your punishment, the punishment range can be enhanced based on prior convictions. However, those prior convictions had to have resulted in you going to prison. So, if you were convicted of a felony in the past, but you did probation time, that does not qualify as a prior conviction that can be used to enhance. Yeah, and if you're walking around the courthouse or you've been in this situation before, it's usually referred to as a pen trip. Right. Had to have gone in to the penitentiary, spent some time there, as small as a day, as up until however long was punished range, you did a pen trip, you can bundle that together with the new things. Right, whether you went for 20 years or you got a very short sentence and you made parole after a day. If you went to the penitentiary, that is a prior conviction that can be used to enhance. And the way that actually ends up working is if you are charged with a third degree felony and you have a prior pen trip, if convicted of that third degree felony, the punishment can be enhanced to that of a second degree felony. If you have two prior pen trips, when you are convicted of a third degree felony, those two prior trips can be used to enhance you up to the range of not a normal first degree felony, but 25 to 99. And just to be clear, the new charge can be as low as a third degree felony, but could also be a second, could also just be that first, and they could just use that information to make sure you go away. Correct, and the only real, the difference being, if you're charged with a second degree felony, it only takes one prior pin trip to then bump you up to that 25 to 99. So it's a great example like we use for our DWIs, right? Legos or stair steps. For the third, it goes to the second. But if you have two, you can get up to the first. For the second, you just need one to take that next step. Exactly. Cool. So to go full circle around what we were discussing uh, all morning, there was a case you wanted to talk about that brought all this to attention dealing with DWI. Right. And so this was a case out of Austin. And it's a relatively general article. I'm not even going to get into names. Um, Basically, there's a guy. He got arrested for DWI. When they look into his background, turns out he has six prior DWI convictions. All right, I believe three of them were for misdemeanors, and then three were for felonies. And then he gets arrested for his seventh DWI, and he's ultimately convicted. And upon conviction, he is enhanced because felony DWI is a third-degree felony. Using and at least two of those prior felonies, he was sent to the penitentiary. So using those two prior pin trips, his punishment was enhanced to 25 to 99. And he ended up getting, uh, I say 25 to 99, it is 25 to 99 or life. Okay, and there's a, a bit of a distinction there. But in this circumstance, he was sentenced to life. Okay, uh, that might seem like a lot to our listeners. So let's play lawyer right this is what we do every single day and let's just start dwi number one and i say dwi number one because we know for a fact that he has seven dwis on his record but depending on the county he could have been arrested for upwards of nine dwis right because my first shot at a dwi changed that charge specifically for these reasons right that DWI follows you around forever. You stepped on that Lego and your foot is killing you and that pain's not going to go away. So technically could be nine, right? He could have somewhat what's called an obstruction of a highway on his record, a reckless driving. Something with those facts could have gave him his get out of jail free card on that first one, huh? Right. So DWI, it's probably, I, I don't have the statistics, but I would venture to say it is probably the most common class B or higher 
offense that's committed. And even outside of the legal world, let's just be real. He got caught seven times. How many times has he done the act of DWI Yeah, is up in the air? And that's probably what they took into consideration at the end of the day. For sure. Um, but to your note on you know possibly being arrested nine prior times or more, um, because it's so common, in most places, on your first DWI arrest, there are methods to prevent it from being a conviction, prevent it from staying on your record, whether that's a flat-out dismissal or some other kind of charge. Right. There's tons of counties that have pretrial intervention programs, that being prior to trial or prior to doing anything official, jump through some hoops and then we'll let you go. And that's supposed to be a good thing. So you learn your lesson, but obviously there's people that don't and come back. There are any kind of negotiations where you do get on official paperwork, but it's a change in charge. It's some sort of caveat to that. So it's not going to show you have that DWI. So with this particular case, let's just start with the actual first conviction of DWI, right? Because the get out of freeze, those just kind of happen and those are on the back end. Number one, he either went to jail for a couple of days, a couple of months, or did probation. Didn't stick. Number two, now like we talked about earlier, he's dealing with a class A misdemeanor, which means he has to do some minimum days if he's going to jail, do some probation maybe. Didn't stick. Now, number three, he's up in felony court. And he's looking at those ranges of punishments in which we discussed earlier. Didn't stick. And this is kind of a odd predicament. Because DWIs can be a couple of things. DWIs can be someone went out, didn't plan on having a good time, had too much of a good time, and then got arrested. Could also be that this guy's an alcoholic. Being an alcoholic, though, doesn't make it legal. It's kind of a tough boat to be in, especially for the prosecutor and the defense. What do you think about those views on, does this guy have a problem, or does this guy just like to drink and drive? Right, and so early on, your first arrest or two, you know, people are going to be much more willing to accept that you're just somebody who went out, you had one too many, you know, no actual problem here. Let's just get this resolved. Get it behind you. Once you end up in felony land, and particularly in this case, with your seventh arrest, seventh arrest, it's pretty clear there's some sort of problem. Whether you want to call it alcoholism or call it something else, there's a problem. And any prosecutor I've ever met at, at this point is going to be saying, look, we're past the point that treatment's going to help you. You've had that, that ship has sailed. At this point, we're looking to protect the community from you. Yeah, because it seems like that duality shifts, right? Let's say DWI number one or DWI number two or even the minimum one, DWI number three. I come in there as the defendant and I'm like, look, all right, fine. I have a problem. I need help. This is a compulsion. This is a disease. This is something. And then they try to help me, right? Granted, it's bundled in the punishment, but you're going to have a probation officer. You're going to have classes you have to take. You're going to have to have meetings you're going to have to go to, right? These are all going to be court mandated, right? Do these or you're going to go to jail. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully they stick, but they don't. And then at number four or number five, the prosecutor's like, dude, all the help, the forced help you got didn't take. Now I really don't care about your problem anymore because you're a problem to everyone else out there on the road. And that's funny that we get there because one of these guys gripes and a bunch of other people on uh, life for 25 plus, their argument's always, I didn't even hurt anybody. I didn't crash. I didn't kill anybody. Nobody got hurt. Victimless crime. I'm in jail. That seems tough to swallow for a guy that's in there for life, right? Right. And when you just look at it in a vacuum, when you just look at this guy was arrested for DWI, <clears throat> didn't hurt anybody, didn't have a wreck, didn't even really cause any damage, going to life. That can be hard to reconcile. But what happens here is that decision is not made in a vacuum. Once somebody's found guilty of the crime, whoever decides punishment, whether it's a judge or a jury, gets to look at everything. And the prosecutor would have made a big point to put on evidence to show each of the prior six convictions and say 
you know, we don't know <clears throat> exactly what he was sentenced to in those priors, but I can venture a pretty good guess that he was arrested once. He got put on a probation. He got arrested for a second time and he said, I don't want to do probation again. I just want to go to jail for a short amount of time. He did that. He got arrested for the third time. He's like, well, I don't want to go to prison now. I'll just do probation. He got arrested for a fourth time. <clears throat> and he said, I don't want to go to prison again. Let's make a case for probation again. I'll do anything. I'll go into inpatient treatment. I'll do whatever they want. Because courts and prosecutors, they want to see good in people. They want to err on the side of caution. They say, all right, we'll give you another opportunity. Maybe. That depends on what county Maybe. you're in. You Maybe. roll in on a fourth in some of these counties, and they're just like, well, fuck you. Right. Probation's not on the table. Enjoy prison, dude. Right. Here's my minimum. Enjoy two, five, seven. And that's the you know difference between counties. In Austin, you're a lot more likely to get probation than if you're down in Hayes County or up a little more north in Williamson County. Colmount. Rural County. Guadalupe. Yeah. There, you're probably going to go to prison on your third one. And it's funny, if we're doing this, if you are listening out of Texas, I mean, it's state from state, right? If you're in California, you might get some treatment. Look at Texas, you're probably going to go to prison. Look anywhere in the colder regions or the mid-Northwest. Sometimes those guys get a pass because there's nothing to do outside but drink. Shouldn't even be driving with the weather. So right. it's funny because it's state by state, county by county. All right, so he's on four and he's like, yo, send me to treatment. I need help. Help me. And right. so gets probation. So then he gets his fifth. He does five less, you know, three, four, five years. Because now you're at five. I would think every county's like, dude, the hell with you. Right. It's time for you to go to jail. You need to go to prison. And we want to start making sure you're set up so that now if you continue to do this, we can increase your punishment. So then he gets the sixth. And he probably does 10 plus years. But the way parole works, he might have only done three. Yeah, and we've got paroles. people that are doing violent crimes. People are doing armed robberies, people are doing murders, people are doing sexual assaults, child molesters, all that taking up actual prison space. Right. And the warden and the parole boards are looking at this guy who just drinks and drives that didn't crash. He's probably getting out. Right. I mean, particularly if this guy has no other history, no violent history, nothing like that. They say, man, he's been here for three years. He's done really well. He's attended AA classes. He's active in, you know, whatever other programs they might have. We think he's good. They let him out, does it again. Now, at this point, he's got his seventh. He's got two prior pin trips. He's 25 to 99, minimum of 25. But the state puts on a good argument. Maybe it's in a more rural county. And they say, look, this is where your families live. This is where you live. He's been arrested seven times, and he's never hurt anybody. That's just dumb luck. And all it's going to take is one more, and he's going to kill somebody. And are we really going to wait for that to happen? And they convince a jury or judge to give him life. So we covered all the laws. We covered all the punishment. Now this portion is just talking, right? Because this is just who knows. And I don't even know. I don't even think I've processed all of that yet, right? Because his gripe is, I didn't hurt anybody. But on the flip side is like, so we're supposed to wait until you kill a family or a bus full of puppies or nuns or something before we put you in jail forever? And I hear people say, well, then just don't let him drive. How is that going to work for a guy we've already told, you're not allowed to drink and drive? And he's like, nah, I got this. So you think just telling him, like, don't drive is going to solve that problem? Right, and, and you hear that kind of thing in the courtroom, in meetings with prosecutors, with the judges all the time. You make some kind of suggestion, and they're like, I can't enforce that. Like, you just want me to take your word for it? Or you want me to trust he's not going to do this? Even when there is an actual method that they could try and use, such as a judge suspending his license. Um, you know, this is a grown adult. He's a grown-ass man <laughs> who is put himself in this position you really think because he doesn't have a license he's just gonna quit driving if he feels like he wants to probably not and i think everybody understands that that is a twisted thing about <clears throat> people's views on the legal system right <clears throat> just because there's a law saying you shouldn't do it doesn't mean anybody ever listens to that or else we wouldn't need a judicial system just hey it's on the books and everybody would say you're right i probably shouldn't do that right i mean 
a lot of times I think of the laws in terms of, it's not saying you can't do this. It's saying you can do this, but these are the consequences. Yeah, I look at every law as a, a ticket. Like, all right, I can drive 90 miles per hour or I want, but it's going to cost me a hundred and something dollars every time I get stopped. I can go and do any crime I want to. It's going to cost me five years of my life, 10 years of my life, 15 years of my life. Is it worth it? And there's a bunch of different views on the legal system in general, right? And this is a pretty good crux of that because there's tons of people who want help and rehabilitation, right? And I get that. There's a lot of people that I go to bat for because they need help and rehabilitation. But don't you think this guy in particular that's complaining that he's in jail for life kind of shit the bed there? You got help and rehabilitation on number one that I said is an obstruction now or number two that's just a regular DWI or number three that you went to inpatient treatment or even some sort of shock, right? Look, we're going to send you to jail for a week, two weeks, a Mm -hmm. month so that you can get scared to find out like this is what's coming. Then we're going to send you to probation. Right. And that's the... This is almost one of those situations where it's like a hyperbole example. Like we are giving the most extreme example to prove the point. <clears throat> so it's almost like it's not it's not the best way to actually have the conversation as to to try and figure out where people's thoughts are on it because I don't think there's a whole lot of people that look at this situation, 7th DWI arrest and don't get Sending him to life. I mean, maybe there are. What if he's a freak, dude? He's an anomaly and he drives better when he's just completely drunk. And all of these stops were like, my blinker didn't work. Uh, I was speeding, but I normally speed when I'm sober too. Right. He's just a freak of nature, man. He just operates on that drunk thing. Never will hurt anybody. Because uh, no matter what common sense tells you, like my common sense tells me this person is a danger to society. Maybe not like an intentional murderer or a violent criminal or something, but he's playing with insane percentages, right? Normal people driving down the road, car accidents every single day, deaths on the road every single day. And now he's just tossing liquor in the mix and he's just driving this death machine around. Definitely society needs to be protected from this individual. Right. I also will say... I do think there is some just level of annoyance that's built into these kinds of laws, right? It's less so, obviously DWIs are a situation where the community, there's a strong interest in protecting the community from their actions. But take a situation similar to this one, but instead of DWI, we're talking about theft. And somehow somebody has two prior pin trips And then they end up with a felony, third degree, felony theft case where they could have stolen a couple thousand dollars, if even. It's Christmas time. I stole my kids a bunch of gifts. Right. You know, something they shouldn't do. But there is almost no harm to the community that's going to come from someone stealing a thousand dollars from an H-E-B. Yeah. But I think that's going to be a whole different podcast on punishment ranges we're going to do in the future because in that example... There is no opportunity for anybody to get hurt. Well, exactly. And that's, that's all I'm getting at here is, in, say, in that situation, you end up everything else being the same. They end up, they're found guilty, and they're 25 to 99. And for some reason, they get sentenced to a very high number. I think what's at play there is just pure annoyance. Yeah. At some point, you're like, we keep telling you not to do this, and you keep doing it. Similar to if you have children... And you just set a rule for them. And the rule is a, an arbitrary rule. You need to be home by 8. That's your curfew. They show up at 8.01. The first time, you're like, look, it's not a big deal. You were one minute late. Don't do it again, though. I told you to be here at 8. They do it again. And it's like, it's still not that big a deal. But you need to listen to what I'm saying. But then they keep doing it. What they did is not the issue. It's the fact that they will not listen. Yeah. And with DWI, we do need to protect the community, but there's also some of that there. This guy will not follow the rules that all of us have to follow and all of us do follow. This is annoying. You're going to hurt somebody 
and we just are tired of dealing with your bullshit, we're going to send you to prison. Yeah, I think it's 50-50, right? I see what you're saying now. And I think that the enhancement portion where they open him up to the punishment is that annoyance. It's like, look, obviously your first one for probation didn't bother you that much. Obviously your second one for probation or jail time didn't bother you that much. Mm-hmm. Third time, you're not taking this seriously. We're going to open you up. I think it's that last portion where it's an inevitability, we think, that you are going to hurt somebody. You may not kill somebody. You might hurt somebody. You'll definitely get into a crash one of these days. Or even if you hurt yourself. Because now you're wasting our resources. i got to send a fireman to go pull you out of there or a firewoman or a police officer of some sort to come and get you because you keep wanting to do this. And I, I have these two voices in my head because I can always hear the other side, right? This isn't Minority Report, man. You can't predict the future. What if this guy does drive home every single night, shit-faced drunk, and never kills anybody? Would you put him away for life? I was like, yeah, because I'm going to remove that opportunity from him. He doesn't get to make that choice where he gets to roll the dice for you. And I'm going to be cruising down the road, working late one day, and here he comes, shit-faced, and smashes into me. And I happen to be the one because we let him try I think he sealed his own fate at a certain point. Right. And I mean, I guess, again, this is an extreme example. You can really get into some interesting conversations that we don't have time to get into. If you talk about a situation where maybe someone's on their fifth arrest and for some reason with their third and fourth, they got sent to prison. So on their fifth, they're eligible for life. You can get into some very complex, interesting, you know, ethical discussions as to well, what should happen there. Um, oh, let's make it clear, though. <laughs> While this is an uh, extreme situation, it's not a unique situation. No. He's not the only one in prison for this for life, right? I think in Texas alone, we've got like 25 people sitting in there like that. Um, and they are. They do vary. This guy got seven. Um, I know a guy personally that's been in a county that I've worked in. I don't know him personally. I just knew him of as a client who is on his seventh and he's never seen prison right and so not there's, there's dualities there um but i guess it all kind of boils down to whether or not we think it is appropriate and i'd like i said i haven't really thought it through i'm just thinking about it out loud but i feel like yeah i think i'm okay with it because i feel like if you're a gambling person, he's increasing the percentage that he will hurt somebody. And while we can't tell the future, how many people are going to be pissed if he does hurt somebody? And that, let me go back a few steps because this has actually boiled into our laws a lot, right? We always talk about it in assaults and domestics where early 20s, 30s, 40s slap each other around and the cops will come up and just be like, hey, you guys need to stop this. Keep this in the house, right? People are complaining now. But nobody ever got arrested. And then somewhere in there, one of those spouses got murdered and ended up dead. And the police would come and have to arrest somebody for murder. And then people were realizing, like, hey, the cops were at that house like five times. How, what happened? And so the cop's name's in the paper and he's getting shit on for showing up and not arresting these people for these domestics. So now they start arresting somebody no matter what. And then the prosecutor's office was like, eh, that's house stuff. You know, y'all handle that. And then again, somebody got murdered. And then now the prosecutor's the one that's getting in trouble because the cops are like, yo, we did our job. We took somebody to jail. You've, you dropped the ball. And now everybody gets prosecuted. And I think that has bled over into some of these things where it's just like, look, dude, it's going to happen, right? If we let you beat the shit out of each other all the time, when are you going to kill the other one? And if we continue to let you drive drunk all the time, you will hurt somebody. I guess the conundrum that I haven't figured out yet, even during this podcast, is what number is okay to send them away forever, right? What's the chances? Right. And, well, I do think there's not an answer to that. There's not a number. Um, But what you can do, and what likely aided the decision maker in this case, whether it was judge or jury, is considering the context of... Not only this arrest, but probably other ones. And we don't have all the facts for his prior. But what we do know about this case is that when he was pulled over and they arrested him and they got all compiled all the evidence, his blood alcohol content was a 0.4. All right. 
the legal limit is 0.08. We see double the legal limit all the time to the point where that's not even that high for us anymore. You see a point, you see three times the legal limit pretty regularly as well. That is getting very high, but this is five times the legal limit. I have never had a case with somebody with the result that is that high. So this goes back to the other thing that I was talking about. This dude is a drunk. This dude is a full on blown alcoholic because for some of my trials that I've been preparing for and some of my other things, I have medical sheets that I have received from doctors that tell you if you have a certain BAC, there are physical correlations that go with those things. And I don't even know you could get that high because at some of the lower numbers, you run the risk of ending up in a coma, right. let alone operating a motor vehicle. Yeah, he should definitely go to prison forever now. Like, that's insane. This guy, I mean, honestly, this guy could probably be used as some kind of like medical subject because most people can't survive at that level. And I mean, this guy, that much alcohol in your system, they should run tests on that. They should like take his blood and put like like viruses in there. They should put like AIDS. They should put COVID in there <laughs> because the amount of alcohol in his system might just kill it. I mean, that's a crazy high level i think most medical professionals would probably say as you were suggesting that that guy's probably just dead and you know what i don't even feel that bad now because i doubt he's gonna make life one he's gonna detox off of alcohol and his body's gonna shut down or two he's gonna drink toilet wine for the right. rest of those 25 years because that is an hooch. issue bro that is a problem and with that in mind you can easily see why whoever decided to send him away for life did that and maybe there's circumstances where there's a much more favorable fact scenario he's pulled over for something relatively minor they draw his blood it's barely over the legal limit yeah one last thing i think that we <laughs> took for granted talking about this and i don't know if our listeners know we have had cases and there are cases in the civil world and in the criminal world where there is alcohol involved and after doing all of the investigations and all the simulations and everything that we know from our experience, we realized that that alcohol didn't play a part in the accident, in whatever happened, in getting pulled over. Because you just see like, okay, this guy had a couple of drinks, he's whatever. Um, this lady had a couple of drinks, she's whatever. This was an inevitable car accident, a fender bend or something. And nobody gets arrested because it wasn't a part of what occurred. Right. Never in my life would I say this dude above a point four. It wasn't involved. There's, he's not making decisions. He's, he's in slow motion. This guy's living in slow motion while the rest of us are normal speed. So there are times where alcohol is a factor but had no change in the event. I doubt anybody with a straight face could say that in this situation. Right. Um, it would be a very difficult argument to make. At some point, you just have to... Oh, I wouldn't trust anybody who told me, yeah, man, he's at a point four, but he's great. He operates just fine. You're yeah. out of your mind. Right. And I think what you're suggesting is a situation where, you know, maybe somebody is drinking. Maybe they're even slightly over the legal limit, but they're driving normally. And then someone runs a red light and T-bones them. Yeah, I've seen it happen. And then, but ultimately, then the cops show up and they talk to this guy and they think, oh, maybe he's a little intoxicated. They do an investigation and... They determined that he was operating the vehicle while drunk, but, you know, then how does that go into when this other issue is decided? Well, the other person ran the red light and T-boned the guy. Nothing about what the guy who was drinking was doing caused it. Yeah, and it gets into semantics and all that aside, just to say, like, there are situations where somebody has had some drinks and they're the one in... Not the right, but they're in the one operating normally. Right. Um, but I think that covers everything we want to talk about, man. You got any last minute snippets or educational things you want to throw out there for this? No. Um, Ooh, I take that back. I do. We're talking punishments right now. Right. Texas just passed that law. Let's say this guy's on his seventh and he finally has his car accident and he kills parents or guardians. Texas has passed a law now that if you kill someone who's responsible for a minor, you are paying child support for that child as if you were that kid's parent. Right. I have heard that. Uh, I think that's crazy. I haven't had enough time to think about it. Um, I don't mean 
crazy in terms of I think it's ridiculous that that kind of law would be passed. I just think it's a wild idea. Yeah, um, and also they've said if you go to prison, that's not a get out of jail free card for the child support. You have one year after you get out to start making that money. And so that's something we're going to dive into. Just put a little teaser out there because the laws just got passed. But I kind of like it. You kill somebody's parents that are supposed to support him. You better take on that burden. Right. I mean, I do wonder if that law also covers spouses. You know, if you kill somebody's husband. Well, we'll dive into that on like that. the next ones we get in there. I just wanted to throw that out there because that's brand new. But if it's you- good. We want to You kill somebody. He has parents and you leave a minor without parents or without a parent. You should bear responsibility for that. You shouldn't be able to say, I'm just going to go to prison for three years and get out of it. Yeah. Well, we'll dive deep into that one on the next time. Uh, Just thought I would tease that out so you guys have something to look forward to. This is my attorney didn't tell me shit. I'm Alfonso. That's Christian. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.